Welcome to the Radio 191 FM podcast. Hi there, mai kite R1 News on Radio 1 Tereo Dirangi Kotahi for Ramere Friday, the 22nd of April. Ko media tene. Coming up on today's program, we have our weekly segment, Business as Usual, with economics lecturer Trent Smith to discuss inflation, which has reached its highest annual rate in Aotearoa since 1990. Then we'll be talking with booster, about booster vaccination rates with Carl Metzler, leader of the COVID-19 vaccination rollout for Southern District Health Board. We'll also catch up with Michelle Driscoll from the Otago Farmers Market to hear about what's fresh and in season at the market tomorrow. And on the show, we'll hear from Eileen with the news headlines and weather. But first, a song. This is Judah Kelly with Apathy. It's nine minutes past 11, and tune in this time every weekday for R1 News on Radio 191 FM. Do you find it easy to fall for someone new? Don't you find it funny? Somebody you once knew. Business pens, cool shirts, blazer at a top hat. Are you insecure to give into that? I said, How you played nice, caught you staring into mine. Was I insecure to give into that? Take it, but I can't keep causing your doubt. 
was Apathy by Judah Kelly and we are back with Trent Smith from the Department of Economics here at Otago University for this week's instalment of Business as Usual on R1 News. Kia ora, Trent. How's it going? Kia ora, Miria. Fine, thanks. Adjusting to the cold weather. Yes. <laughs> Winter's coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Today we'll be talking about inflation. Um, the annual inflation figures for the last tax year ending in March hit 6.9%, making it the highest it's been in New Zealand since 1990. Along with this, um, food prices are 7.6% higher than this time last year, which is the biggest annual increase in more than 10 years, and fuel costs have risen about 32% for the year. These are some big numbers. What, what do they mean? How does inflation really work? Um, well, inflation is, I guess, what you might think it is. It's, an, it's sort of an average of prices across the economy. And, and in particular, the, the thing that gets reported in the news is the consumer price index. So it's uh, um, sort of a standard bundle of goods and services that, um, that the average Kiwi uh, buys every month. And, uh, and, the, and when the CPI goes up, you know, we use that to calculate the inflation rate. And, um, and like you say, on average, it's uh, gone up something like 7%, which is very high by recent standards. Um, the, I mean, in recent years, this is true globally, actually. So it's not just New Zealand that's seeing this big spike in inflation. It's mm-hmm. pretty much the whole world. And, the, um, and in recent years, pretty much the whole world has had very low inflation, like, like 1% or less for, for many years now. Um, which is um, anom- kind of anomalous historically, but um, so yeah. So the so what that means is um, okay. Prices went up on average. Um, you know, you could imagine that if your wages also went up and your savings balances also went up, that maybe it's it wouldn't be a big deal. But that's just not the way prices adjust, right? Mm-hmm. Um, t- typically, prices don't adjust all at the same time, and so it's this change in relative prices that uh, gets people upset and makes people suffer, honestly. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that like inflation wouldn't be as big a deal if all those other prices were moving with it, like our wages matching the CPI and things yeah, like that? Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you like to have a 7% <laughs> raise? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So um, how how did inflation get this high then? I mean, it's global. What's really driving it in New Zealand in particular? Yeah, well, it, it, the details actually matter, right? So the um, So in the latest data, apparently it's the it's the cost of new housing that's gone up the most. Like, that's the biggest. So housing mm-hmm. is one of the goods and services we consume, right? Yeah. So you might rent or you might own, but everybody consumes some housing. And the cost of new housing is, is the biggest component of this increase in, in inflation. Um, and then after that, it's um, uh, the price of petrol and, and the price of food, like you mentioned. are sort of mm-hmm. the big three that are driving this inflation bump. Uh and so the the cost of housing is um, is not too surprising because um, you know in response to the you know the 
pandemic um, recession, the Reserve Bank lowered interest rates. This is the main tool that that um, that economists use to to manage the business cycle, and mm-hmm. it's a terrible tool. Like <laughs> we really need better tools, but you know they lower the interest rate. What they're doing is is easing up credit, so that what that means is that uh, um, capital intensive industries like the building industry. Mm-hmm suddenly have a huge bump in demand, right? Suddenly everybody can afford to buy more house than they used to be able to. They can suddenly, you know, afford to renovate more than they used to be able to. Um, and, 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 you know, in, investors can afford to build new housing more than they used to be able to because credit suddenly got so cheap thanks right. to the Reserve Bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when inflation goes up, the first tool economists uh, here in New Zealand and around the world, frankly, typically grab for is they say, oh, what we need is some austerity, and we're going to do that through monetary policy by tightening up credit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I don't know. Normally, I would so, – so, like I said, this is a very blunt instrument, this tool we have to, to tighten up credit, to reel the economy back in. And it has a disproportionate effect on industries like the, like the building industry. Right, so these poor, you know, I've got construction going on at my house at the moment with some home renovations, and mm-hmm. you know, these guys are loving how busy they are right now, right? Yeah. But um, you know, it's very much a boom and bust industry because of the way uh, um, New Zealand lets the Reserve Bank manage its economies, the ups and downs of the economy. Um, but on top of the the easy credit, the other thing that's that's um, driving supply problems in the in the building industry is that in response to the pandemic, uh, the government came out and, inve- and, and announced all these infrastructure product projects, right, which require the government to employ the, the building industry uh, to do the work, right? So mm-hmm. at the same time, you have, you know, the whole country wanting to do more building. Uh, you've got the government also employing this this uh, industry, and so of course there's going to be a shortage of workers and a shorter shortage of uh, um, uh, you know trucks and tools and things that you need to to build, and so this drives mm-hmm. prices up. And on top of that, there are global supply chain problems. So building materials that need to be imported from overseas or um, have been been hard to come by. Um, and so. It, this is a rare case where I probably agree that tightening up credit is probably not a bad idea because because of what's because of how the building industry is overheating at the moment. Mm-hmm. So increasing the OCR. Yeah. Right. Raising the OCR. Right. Yeah. 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 Like, like I say, it'd be but so there's a lot of rethinking going on in economics right now about about whether we should rely on monetary policy like this or, mm-hmm. or whether we should develop better tools. Um, and there's more and more movement towards using fiscal tools, right? Like. Like uh, you know, taxes and subsidies, and uh, you know, finding ways to sort of automatically. So you could, for instance, um, if you wanted to take money out of the economy because prices are going up too much, you could tax the rich. Right. right? I mean, like you could you could tweak ta- tax policy a bit, and it, and if we had a way to do that more nimbly, in response to economic conditions, um, we could. Um, Maybe you use less of this blunt inter- blunt instrument of the OCR and, and credit rules. Mm-hmm. So that's quite a different way of sort of um, combating inflation. What would be the effect of it staying at this high seven percent mark if we didn't employ any of these? Um, yeah. So persist. So the thing that you really worry about is persistent inflation. Right? Yeah. If it's temporary inflation, um, 
you know, almost the best thing to do maybe is to is just just to wait for it to for it to pass. And that could be a good part of what we're seeing now. If this is global supply chain problems that are due to the pandemic, um, you know, we can probably expect they're going to go. They they'll be gone go away on their own mm-hmm. in a year, and maybe yeah, yeah. maybe there's not a lot that needs to be done. Um, but if if inflation can sort of become a self fulfilling cycle where where like you know everybody expects inflation to happen so everybody plans ahead and plans their price increases ahead and negotiates their wage increases ahead mm-hmm. and 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 so when you do that yeah you you sort of um you're devaluing money and you're creating all this uncertainty around what your dollar is going to be worth next year and um you know and, and then there are some prices that just don't adjust as quickly and uh bad things happen. So that's that's the big thing that the government really wants to avoid is is for this to become a um a, a persistent problem. Mhm. Okay. And so what impact would these high inflation rates and some of the methods that might be taken to adjust them um have on students? What should students be aware of at the moment? Um well, Honestly, what the what the government's doing, it, so if they if they the, so they keep raising the OCR to tighten up credit, um, that's not likely to have an immediate effect on uh, like the price of food, mm-hmm. right? It could have an immediate effect on say unemployment. It could make unemployment go up. That's one of the cruel things about the way we do this, right? Is that um, you know. Suddenly, the um, you know we forced the construction, the building industry to crash, and now there's all these unemployed builders out there, and then there are ripple effects across the economy of this happening. So students could ha- find it harder to find a job if they want to if they mm-hmm. wanted to you know uh, find some work on the side uh, from their studies. Um, and does yeah. that affect also, like, then ripple out into the wider job market, so, like, graduates and things like that looking for jobs in future oh, years? Oh, it or? could, yeah. Like I said, there are ripple effects, and mm. those can be persistent. Uh, you know, th- this is, this is you know, how the Great Depression happened, is, mm. is that if you don't have a, a, um, a, a sensible, uh, you know, public policy response to a, to a downturn in the economy, uh, it can be... It, it, Recessions and depressions can also be sort of uh, self-fulfilling prophecies, where where you get this downward cycle, um, that uh, uh, like we did in the Great Depression, that um, just uh, can't correct itself. Right, but that's not going to happen now, is it? <laughs> no, that will not happen now. Honestly, the world knows more about this now than they did than they yeah, did in the '30s. Yeah. Right, that that. Uh, um, we now understand that like we like you know the global response to the pandemic was fiscal spending right it's just uh the whole world was spending government dollars with abandon mm-hmm. right uh not dollars different <laughs> currencies around the world uh um but um so so yeah we, we, i wouldn't expect that to happen that that um there is still um more talk than there should be about balancing the balancing the budget but uh um i think uh, there's pretty wide recognition that um, that fiscal stimulus is a, is um, the tried and true way to uh, to keep yourself from falling into a persistent uh, recession. Cool. Well, thank you for coming on and talking to us more about this. It- 
My pleasure. Yeah, always always fun to learn a bit of, a little bit more. Um, <laughs> that was business as usual here on R1 News. Coming up soon, we'll be talking with um, Carl Metzler from the Southern DHB about booster vaccination rates. But first, this is Crispy and the Pooch with Convenience Fund. You don't need to afford the things you're buying, Brian. You need to afford the interest on the money you need to borrow in order to buy them. And you're charging higher rates for it. We do hop into them and leave it on the credit rate, Brian. We stick to hydraulics under that because it's a slightly higher risk strategy. People need to be buying these things. They think so, Brian. I mean, these things are advertised to people as very necessary, very important and deeply, deeply attractive. Well, who's advertising things that people don't need? The companies we're lending the money to. Stood up with Bold out, skip my mind. Rewind to where I was last night. There were cigars, fancy cars, champagne, ladies' heart. Oh, not so far outside. Uh, yeah. Now I'm moving to the moon to go catch a star. Jupiter and Mars, Pluto and Venus too. Gotta keep moving to my groove. Cause what I gotta do, what I gotta do. Now listen up while I sing it to you. Gotta keep moving, moving, moving. There's no time to
must have lost it when I found my thoughts On a train but I missed the start I never ever thought that I could just be It is half past 11 and you're listening to R1 News on Te Reo Irirangi Kotahi. Yesterday, the Ministry of Health reported 10,294 new community cases of COVID-19, including 524 cases in hospital and 18 further deaths, bringing the total COVID-related deaths in New Zealand to 600. The Southern District Health Board remains the region with the highest case numbers for population, with 1,410 new positive cases reported in the last 24 hours. On the 7th of April, those eligible for booster vaccinations was extended to include 16- and 17-year-olds who had received their second dose of COVID-19 within six months, as well as those 18 and over who have received their second dose uh, over three months ago. Just over 71% of eligible people are boosted, compared with over 95% of double-vaccinated New Zealanders. This means more than one in four adults have chosen not to have a booster shot. I'm joined today by Carl Metzler from the Southern District Health Board. Kia ora, Carl. Are you there? Kia ora, Maria. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. So tell me about what's going on here. Why aren't people getting their booster shot? Yeah, look, I mean, I, I think uh, there, there are probably a number of factors. I, I think part of it is probably people are a little bit too relaxed about it, perhaps, and think that it's it as a bit of a cold, uh, which it certainly isn't. We've seen some um, people get very, very ill um, from it. But I think there's this general kind of perception that two doses might be enough and 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 really it's uh it's a lot less mild than uh, delta and and less um probably seen as a bit less dangerous which which really is a, a bit of a dangerous misperception to be honest i think whilst um and again whilst the nationally it's only one in four adults have been boosted um it's worth noting that in southern region uh, we have actually uh, boosted almost on 75% of our population now. Okay. And in Dunedin, that's nearly 80%. So we're actually doing, doing well above the national averages, really. Right. And um, are there some like particular demographics or age groups who have noticeably not been getting vaccinated or boosted? No, we we look the the, the numbers are, are 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 interesting. We we seen we tend to see but our our twenty to sort of twenty nine year old cohort um, as probably our lower uptake, um, and our five to elevens um, are are a group that haven't uh, been the best at getting getting the jab at this stage. But you know they're at about sixty percent at this stage. So, um, but look, we 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 shouldn't lose sight of the fact that um, our our eligible adult population have been, um, you know, they're still 95% double-dosed and nearly 80% now in Dunedin uh, with a booster. So, um, you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't lose sight of, of that and, and really just obviously push the message um, that, you know, if you haven't had your booster... Um, please give it give it some serious thought because it's uh, it's the thing that will give you the most protection now. 
Yeah, yeah, okay. So these people who haven't been getting boosters, and especially within that, did you say it was the 20 to 29 demographic, is this related to um, people who have been getting COVID over the past couple of months? Like, do they think that they don't need to get the booster shot? Yeah, very much so. Um, and, and I think that that's kind of what we're seeing is, um, you know, and people getting quite um, sick with it as well, um, you know. Um, we're obviously seeing that. Uh, we know from the current ev- evidence that um, your protection against infection after two doses slowly decreases over time and that a booster dose will give you greater immunity against COVID, including Omicron. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, it's worth noting that a booster helps reduce the chance of more serious infection. And it also means that you're less likely need um, hospitalisation. And obviously, less hospitalisations helps the system from not getting overwhelmed, you know. So we really encourage that third booster dose. Okay. And so what are some things we can do to get these booster rates up? Yeah, look, I think um, I, I, I think that that's the million-dollar question, really, that we've been that we've been struggling with um, because we've seen the demand drop off across the country, really, and and it's something that that all the regions are working closely with with the Ministry of Health on is trying to push those messages out there. But you know, you would hope that people start to realise that what what we're seeing is um, people getting really sick after only having had two doses. And so we, we really, the message is, you know, go out and get your booster. If you want that um, maximum amount of protection, um, is get out there and get that booster, you know. Yeah, so the booster's really um, quite effective. Going forward, does that mean that um, three shots might be what's considered fully vaccinated or like annual immunizations? Yeah, we think we haven't, look, we haven't heard any um, official word yet um, from the ministry, but... You know, I think um, logically it probably looks more and more likely that we'll have an annual shot, probably, um, like we do the flu the flu shot each year. Um, I would imagine that that uh, um, Pfizer will become part and parcel of our lives going forward, and and hopefully over time they'll um, they'll, they'll get an even smarter vaccine um, with more time and more more time to test the, the vaccine out there. Great. Well, thanks so much for coming on today, Carl, to talk to us about boosters. You're most welcome. That was Carl Metzler from the Southern District Health Board um, talking about vaccination rates and those booster shots as only one in four adults across New Zealand have had their booster shot so far. Up next, we have um, One Day by Loose and Colourful, a band here from Otipoti. It is... 22 minutes to 12 and stay tuned for our segment off to market and the news headlines
One Day by Loose and Colourful. Earlier on the show, we were talking with Carl Metzler from the Southern District Health Board about booster vaccinations in New Zealand. And now it's time for Off to Market, our weekly segment with Michelle Driscoll, manager, or market manager of the Otago Farmers Market, to hear about what's going on at the market tomorrow. Kia ora, Michelle. Morena, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Good, thanks. So tell me, what's in the season at the moment? Well, there's heaps of veggies, um, like there's pumpkins, it's kind of all those autumnal veggies coming through, so there's, there's pumpkins and squash, there's Jerusalem artichokes, there's lots of broccoli and collie, um, there's um, chilies, lots of chilies, um, and there's um, lots of spinach and fennel is around, um, there's spray-free um, beet, beetroot, that, like there's the round or the cylindra or the gold or the candy with that, that nice little stripe through it, which looks really pretty. Um, Cabalanero, uh, shallots, garlic, um, parsnips, and then there's lots of um, lots of the apples. Like, got so many varieties of apples down here. Um, you know, like the 
Cox's Orange and the Ballarat and there's Granny Smith is um, it's the first of first week that they've in um, and freshly picked. There's the Nancy Fizz and there's some organic apples. There's Fiesta, um, Royal Gala, which has been my favourite still. Um, Fuji, Brayburn, Eve. Um, yes, yeah, so, so many. Oh, and then Nashi Pears are um, around this week as well. And we've still got some Petrines and Freedom Plum and the Torwick um, Plums. Um, so yeah, there's lots of stone fruit. Oh, sorry, um, pit fruit around, um, and all the the winter Nellis pears and the ice cream pears. Oh, so incredible! All those, all those nutritious, you know, packed with vitamin C kind of fruit around. Um, yeah, that's good. All those root vegetables sound really exciting as mm. well. What are some of your favourite things to do with veggies like that? I I just tend to <laughs> I'm pretty lazy. I tend to just I've got this really cool old um, casserole dish um, which I just throw heaps of garlic and olive oil and chopped up veggies and um, I always put, throw caraway seed in there as well um, and and a bit of salt and it ends up the most yeah just you get all the flavors of everything um, but it's so simple because you just kind of whack it in, and I usually whack it in the oven with um, like a, a hock of ham um, from havoc pork or somewhere like that or, or a lamb chop or something um, or a pork chop because I do it's like some meat as well um, and yeah it all just ends up really delicious nice and easy, easy meals, one, a one yeah. pot one pot wonder really oh fantastic and um, mm. are there any other cool new products or vendors popping up at the yeah well there's um, uh, Dunedin Craft Distillery they um, have been inspired by um, wild wild um, wild Dunedin this week, and they've come up with this amazing gin that um, sounds really interesting. I, I actually can't drink gin myself, but I've, I would be very tempted to try. Um, it's got little neck clams, wild fennel, lemon, and a hint of wakame, and a hint of a backdrop of juniper and coriander. Um, and yeah, they just got inspired by the whole wild Dunedin um, week, and it just it just sounds, I've never heard of um, that kind of combination where there's a seafood in, in a gin. But yeah, that sounds, that sounds really, really intriguing, exciting. Mm. Gosh. Yeah, I like, I like exciting products like that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And um, now that we're finally or officially back in Orange and things are returning back to normal at the market, um, what should people be remembering to bring along tomorrow morning? First thing, you know, um, their bags and, um, you know, bring bags because you can, most people and containers and your jars, if you've already had jars or bottles from the last time, bring cash, um, bring, you know, your good selves. And, um, you know, and it's good to mask up still. We're still encouraging that, um, you know, and heaps of people still are, which is great. Um, and, yeah, just bring yourselves and, yeah, bags. Bags are so good. Anything to, that you can kind of reuse and re recycle over is good. Fantastic. You do a lot of bagging your own as well around the market. Yeah, yeah. Courage. Cool. Well, I'm mm. looking forward to seeing you at the market tomorrow yeah. morning. Yeah, we'll see you in the morning. <laughs> looking looking um, an okay kind of day. Um, yeah, no rain, so it's good. Oh, yeah, that's very lucky. Mm. Great. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Amira. Okay. Talk see to you, you next later. week. Bye-bye. That was Michelle Driscoll from the Otago Farmers Market. And up next, we have Eileen with the headlines. But first... Here is a song. It is Take, Take, Take by Mixed Veg. It's quarter to 12 on R1 News. Don't put the brakes on. Feel the beat, but don't bring it on. Take, take, take. 
That was Take, Take, Take by Mixed Veg, and now we have the headlines with Eileen. This is the news on Radio 191 FM. Tēnā Aotearoa is to strengthen security ties with Japan, and a move Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern says will support peace, stability and security in the Pacific. Yesterday, Ardern met with Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida in Tokyo, in the pair's first meeting, meeting since Kishida's election in 2021. They agreed to have a deal created that would see classified material shared in a more streamlined manner. The details of what will be shared under the deal have not yet been revealed, though a spokesperson for Ardern said it would not be intelligence. Ardern said that Japan and New Zealand need to cooperate in what she called a deeply uncertain global environment. Alongside the continued impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic, international tensions have been heightened by the Russian invasion of Ukraine and increased Chinese influence in the Pacific, marked by a security pact with the Solomon Islands. The agreement comes out of Ardern's first overseas trip in two years, visiting Japan and Singapore. The two nations are Aotearoa's fourth and fifth largest trading partners, and Ardern aims to promote tourism and strengthen trade ties. Russian President Vladimir Putin has claimed victory over the battle in Ukrainian port city Mariupol, but the Ukrainian and American governments say the city has not yet fallen. The siege of Mariupol by the Russian military has carried on for close to two months and has been the largest battle of the war in Ukraine. However, according to the US State Department, Ukrainian forces continue to hold ground in the city. Several hundred Ukrainian civilians and troops remain in a large steelworks facility, which Putin has ordered Russian troops to blockade. The Ukrainian government says Putin is attempting to avoid a final clash with Ukrainian forces, claiming that the Russian military lacks the resources to win. US President Joe Biden has authorized $800 million in military aid to the Ukraine. The Russian invasion of, the, of Ukraine began on February 24th and has seen at least 2,000 Ukrainian civilians and upward of 2 million refugees leave the country. Heavy rain has seen evacuations in Canterbury and part of State Highway 6 closed, as wintry weather continues across the country. Three households in Rakaia huts in the Selwyn district have been evacuated due to flooding, believed to have been caused by a blockage at the mouth of the Rakaia River. Meanwhile, the Buller Gorge section of State Highway 6 between Westport and Inangahua is closed after a landslip. Met Service has issued heavy rain warnings for the Tasman west of Motueka and in Buller, Westland and Fiordland. Heavy rain watches were in place yesterday in the Canterbury Headwaters and Central Otago. And that was the bulletin on the R1 News. Now, the weather. The Radio 191 FM weather. After a wintry morning, Otipoti can expect the rain to ease a little, with southwesterlies continuing through to the afternoon and a high of 14. Apopo, a high of 18 is predicted, with partial cloud mostly clearing in the afternoon and westerly breezes. Kia ora Eileen, and that was the R1 News headlines and weather. This has been Friday, Ramere, the 22nd of April's Radio 1 News. We talked with Trent Smith for our business as usual segment about 
inflation and how to combat that in Oteroa. We spoke with Carl Metzler from the Southern DHB about booster vaccination rates across New Zealand. And we also spoke with Michelle Driscoll from the Otago Farmers Market about what's fresh at the market this week. Remember to tune in weekdays 11 to 12 a.m. for your dose of current events on Te Reo Irirangi Kotahi. Up next is Burning Sensations by Christopher El Chirento and the Avondale Bowling Club. Close your eyes and do nothing. Do nothing. I started feeling this um, this burning sensation. I went to see a doctor about it. He checked me out, surveyed my empty lot behind my church, measured my growth, and gave me a property evaluation. Said everything was financial. He pulled me an ice long black and sent me home with a script for a pumpkin and fed a scone. Told me take one every day and eventually the pain would numb. Said there might be a few side effects. Uh, like a lack of interest in art and inflated self-importance and a general whitening around the face. But don't worry about it, he said. So I did what he told me and the symptoms went away. Told me I just needed a lifestyle change. Said all that empathy was giving me insomnia. Everything in moderation, he said, including ethnic diversity and social progress. So I started exercising more. Joined the pump class. Cut out gluten, spice, flavor, anything rich in cream or tradition. I was looking good. I lost about 70 acres of state house in one month. I was feeling great. People were finally noticing me. You know, not just the Western leader. I was trending on Twitter. I was somebody's fetish. Finally, I was a first-tier suburb, you know? Like Point Chev or Blockhouse Bay. But he got but there, I started feeling that feeling again. That burning sensation. I was drinking a Stein Lager on tap at the new pub they built next to the RSA. Stein Lager Pure. And uh, I started feeling sick. I just remember looking down into the toilet bowl at a pool of mushed up gnocchi and gluten-free sourdough thinking, what's wrong with me? So I went to get a second opinion. The specialist told me that there were irregular cells. Walking all through my op shops looking for novel second-hand jumpers and ironic tea towels that were all up in my back streets jogging in expensive track pants. Turns out that that burning sensation was due to uh, a gentrifier. We just hoping we caught it early enough that it hadn't spread to my main shops. Doctor said these things start out as something as simple as an avocado in the fruit and vegetable section, but if left untreated, it could start interfering with the nervous system or even worse, the local council. From there, it's possible that it might form a luxury residence or, worst case scenario, a real estate agent. 
the worst kind of cancer. A very white. See, the thing about those white blood cells is they don't integrate with the rest of the body. They just take over. Don't even say hi when you see them on the street. a Radio 1 91 FM podcast. All of our content lives online at r1.co.nz.